Good morning, everyone. Thank you, Mike. That's really good. Um, Mike is close. Uh, this is the beginning of three, a series of three sermons. Uh, the one that Mike's talking about is the next time I'm here. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. But really good, really good. Uh, are we? Are we turn. Okay. Today I want to be talking about what is the church now, and what is its mission. The the, the trouble when I started praying about this, I realised it's a really big subject, and I don't know how to bring it down to 20 minutes. So I, I picked one thing, right? Um, but before I do that, I just want to spend some time where you bow your heads with me and as we pray. Father in heaven, we invite you, Lord. We invite you, Lord, to be right here with us. We, your church, in the name of Jesus, have come here to worship you, celebrate our relationship with you together, and to be your people in this one place at, the, at this one time. So, Father, I just ask that you will put your angels out, guard this moment right now, close us in, make this time and space be for your holy purposes. Speak to us today in Jesus' name. Amen. Also want to invite, uh, welcome anyone who's listening to the podcast. So today we're looking at what is church. The trouble with church is, I, I, when, and I do it myself, when you think about the concept of church, we say, hey, I'm going to church on Sabbath or Sunday. Right? Look, we are in a church. What is that implying? It's a place. It's a building. It's a complex. Oh, we need to find jobs to run the church. We need to um, look after the complex. And we can find ourselves caught up in the, the, um, the real estate, the programs, the offices, and we forget that the church is so much more than that. In act. Buildings kind of make what Jesus calls the church about as mundane as you can get. I mean, beautiful building. And I love being in here. I love, I love spending time worshipping God privately, quietly in here, just thinking about the sermons and everything like that. But the church is more. And I just want to take a, a little bit of time today and look at what Jesus... Because he only mentions the word church once. Actually, twice, but the first time is the most important. We're going to look at that today. Um, we are also looking at the ministry placement team, a.k.a. nominating committee. And as a pastor, I'll say it, self-disclosure, if there's one part of the year I loathe and despise, <laughs> it's nominating committee. Why is that? Why is that? What do you reckon, David? Why, do I, why would I hate nominating committee? I think Dave's got it. He's probably... Tell me, Dave. Why would I hate it? Hey, fit. Did you hear that? Fitting people into positions. Mike talked about the chessboard. Everyone's different. And we've got a finite piece of uh, number of positions. And we've got to get these, all these different pieces and try and push them into those boxes. And you, and you know the really, the really amazing part about humanity? They don't always want to be pushed. In fact, they never want to be. We none of us ever be pushed. We don't want to be conjoled. We don't want to be talked into anything. We don't want any any of that. And in fact, sometimes we have an image of what what a particular 
role or job is in the church and uh, we kind of, I don't want to do that. Do I really want to be this or that or the other thing? What I, what I really do appreciate is that since I've been here and um, it's sort of happening in my other church in Cannington, um, they've come, and I think it's a post-COVID thing, they've come to the realisation that people just don't want to do it. Um, the church is a body of believers with a purpose and a reason for existence. And it's not just to turn up here every Saturday and, and mow the lawns in the, during the week or, do, or run programs. That's not what the church is for. So I love the fact that we are praying, and this is what we're going to be doing today. We're going to be praying about the, about the concept of, of the idea that rather than talking about roles... If we are a church with a purpose, a divine and holy purpose, powered by the Holy Spirit, then every part of what the church is, is a ministry. And it involves calling. And the Holy Spirit moves. Sometimes Jesus called people. Other times he came and people asked him. Most of the time he called them. So, um, the... What I love about this is seeking the Holy Spirit to call people to ministry. Um, that, and that's kind of what we, an aim we want. This isn't working, guys. Okay. So I've got this series of, minutes, series of sermons heading towards um, sort of to open up this. And to, after talking to Brad and talking to Dave and others... Um, the, the series goes, I was sort of wanting to sort of share this. I'll be doing this in, in Cannington as well. The, today is what is the church. Next week is what the spiritual gifts and the fact that you can't separate it from the life of the church. And the, the third one is calling into service. So that's, my, that's where I'm going with the series. Uh, where we find the first mention of the concept of church, Jesus uses these words. Upon this rock... I will build my church. The word church is, comes from the word ecclesia. And that simply means gathering or congregation. Uh, Old Testament talked about Israel being the congregation, the gathering. Um, the trouble with upon the, I will build my church, if you go to the commentaries, you find, you find there's this, this is argy-bargy going on, this theological argy-bargy going on between the Catholics and the Protestants over what that means by on this rock. And I couldn't escape it. Every commentary I went to, it just had this argy-bargy going on. And I didn't really, I kind of lost, I lost this part here. Build my chair. I lost it. They hardly even addressed it. It's all about what the rock is, which I find is really sad. Today, what I want to do is I want to say, okay, upon this rock, yeah, good. Uh, I don't have time to talk about that. But I want to talk about what Jesus meant by I will build my church. Because who's building the church by this? What does it say? Jesus. Jesus. He's the one who's saying my church. All righty. Okay. All righty. So before we do this, I'm going to take just five minutes to do, and this is going to be a real quick five minutes. The, the, the reason why I think 
we lose, lose it with this particular passage is that context is king. And we, when we, we make it all about the rock, who's the rock, we lose the context of what it means by building my church. Where is he building his church? What does he mean? Because the following statement is, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. We're so busy arguing about who is the rock when, my goodness, we're dealing with the gates of hell. I mean, that's pretty freaky. What's that all about? All right, context is king. Okay, could you just go through? This thing's really slow today. Could you just go to the next one? What's wrong? Oh, is it turned on? Is it turned on? Okay, well, I'll let, I'll let it go. Okay, right back. Back to Genesis chapter 10. You meet this guy. Uh, you, you find out that the population of the earth explodes after the flood. And um, there's a, a whole heap of people move towards the east. They end up in this place called Shinar. This Shinar place in Shinar is between the two rivers, uh, Euphrates and the um, Tigris. Next, at that place, they decided they they come across this this guy Nimrod builds himself up. He becomes a king. The interesting thing about this particular king, he becomes the he, in the Bible he becomes the motive or the motif or the the uh, the model for all other kings that you see throughout the world. He becomes like a God king. He becomes like who has the direct access to the gods. He has the one who is have all power, control and might. He, he, he says, hey, I've got an idea. Let's build a nice big city, put a big wall around it and protect ourselves. And not only that, we're going to build a tower and make a name for ourselves. What, another thing I have a problem with this particular story is that and I know Mrs. White mentions this, but I don't think this is the final answer. She said that they built this tower to get away from the flood. No, I'm sorry. I don't agree with that. Am I going to get in trouble, Mick? <laughs> anyway, right, no. What, what, when you see, look at that tower, that tower is a ziggurat. You know what the t- ziggurats were used for? They were to get to the gods. The gods were the fallen ones. The gods were the ones that they tried to reach. They did all sorts of terrible things up the top there, all sorts of uh, rituals and stuff to conjure these things into their reality. And the kings, thought, the kings believed when they went up the top and they did certain things that these spirits were coming into them and they became powerful, mighty men, hunters before the Lord, like the gods. Why is this so important? Because from then on, from here on, right, royalty, kingship, nations, right, became actually governed by the gods. God came down and had a look at this tower and said, you kidding me? You're not going to be doing that. If, imagine what would happen if they, they could take a brick, a humble brick, and do that. But what they were going to do in that building was trying to reach the supernatural realm through terrible acts to call them in and God said no it is not going to happen he spread us out for our own good he he scattered us to the wind Uh, and as we went off as you go through the world you find all these different pantheons but all they're essentially they're all the same gods and all the different kings throughout all the world seem to be controlled and owned by the same gods Different names, same gods. Next slide, please. Oh, we can go to the next one. Oh, just one more, just before we go. Go back, please. 
One of my favourite songs by Led Zeppelin, who can say it? Stairway to Heaven. Goodness, you read that, that, that's, you read the lyrics of that song as bad as a cultic as you get. But see that concept of the, the stairway going up there? It was known as the stairway to, to the gods, stairway to the heavens. Where we will reach, make a tower whose height will get to the heavens. That's euphemism. That's not saying we're going to make a very tall building. That is something they're saying they are going to try and reach past our physical reality to get to the supernatural realm. Next, please. God said, that's not going to happen. He says, if these people unite to do this, all hell will break loose like before the flood because that's exactly what happened before the flood. We won't go into that too much. But then we were split, split up. And as the nations went off in their different directions, they became controlled by the gods. Keep going, please. Uh, God had another plan, though. He said, as these narratives, as this, these gods um, took these nations and went out and took control of these nations, right? And I believe, and I'm telling you, as, as I've studied, I believe that these gods exist. Not that... Um, Zeus is an actual god. Sorry, Zeus. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. You know, or or Marduk or any of those others, right? They are they are fallen ones, fallen angels who took who personified these things and used these names to influence nations. Out of all these nations, God pulled a, a man called Abraham. From Abraham, he says, I'm not going to allow these gods, I'm not going to allow these nations, and I'm not going to allow these kings to set the narrative of what it means to be um, a human being in this world. So he pulled this, this man Abraham out and he call, called him by name and he made his own people through there. And through Abraham, God's plan was that there would be an opposing narrative to what was happening. Abraham, God's plan was through Abraham that, 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 that the Jewish people would would be a place where they could tell the world about God and illustrate with God who God is. The trouble with um, what happened was that these people, not unlike you and me, they had their dark spots. They uh, made really terrible mistakes. They eventually joined the neighbours and went to these other gods. And they actually participated in the terrible things that these other, that they expect, these other gods expected them to do. Next. So... He, the, he ended up sending them right back to Shinar, back uh, when Nebuchadnezzar, he let, let, allowed Nebuchadnezzar, and this is after a lot of grief and a lot of pr- prophets trying to warn them, he, but he sent them back. He sent them back to where the Tower of Babel was. He sent them right, right back to where all this apostasy started, right? And right in the middle of this, this king, this Nebuchadnezzar king, and when the story of Nebuchadnezzar, he's very much like Nimrod. He has all power. He is such an egotist. He has, he's a builder like Nimrod. He has all these, all these ideas. And this, these, these three, four, sorry, four young Hebrew boys, one of them's called Daniel, uh, put right in the middle of his court. Okay, next. While these young guys were, were growing as part of the wise men, uh, the king had this dream. Now, as Adventists, we know this backwards, right? We know what this is. But I want to do a bit of a twist. I'm not going to, men- I'm not going to, I'm not going to meditate just on the, the idol. What I want to do is see that rock there. The rock becomes a mountain. See, Nebuchadnezzar, who was a Nimrod-like character, in Shinar, where Nimrod first started, right? he, sh- he was given this, this idol. 
one system. It was, an, it was a world order. That world order, it, it doesn't matter what nation happened, but the, the next nation and the next nation was always the same world order. And the only way that that could be put to death, the only way God was going to stop that, is if that was disappeared. And that's exactly what happened in a dream. This stone comes out of nowhere, out of heaven. And he strikes this thing and it, he grinds it up into powder. This world all was actually controlling God's people at the time, right? Gets grounded into powder and the wind blows this thing away. And, the, and the, the rock becomes a mountain and fills the whole earth. The point of the whole thing is not the image. The point of the whole thing is the mountain. It was called the kingdom of God. What was the first thing Jesus declared? Behold, the kingdom of God is at hand. Before that rock was to smash that system, before it was to even touch our atmosphere, Jesus came in the rock as a baby and he took on one of us and he declared, he attacked the very soul of that system. He took us one by one in the heart. And he showed us what God was really like. Behold, the kingdom of God is here. Next, please. Daniel himself sees this, this vision and uh, another vision, which is similar. He says he sees one turbulent ocean, like there was one idol, one turbulent ocean, the chaos, the abyss. And out of this comes these crazy, horrible monsters. Again, it, this is this one system that keeps spewing up the same, the same despotic, demonic power that controls the earth that totally opposes Yahweh and here he is he sees these things coming 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 and at, at, at that big one he sees there's 10 horns and one of the horn and another horn pushes three up and then this little horn this squeaky little horn starts telling everyone how great he is and trying to be God next please while this little horn is blaspheming and claiming to be God and controlling actually warring against God's sake God's people Heaven's court is seated. The reason why heaven's court is seated because God has had enough of this despotic system. While this little horn is claiming to be who he's not, he's not God, the Ancient of Days sets up a court. Next one, please. While this is happening, while this, while this horn and all these beasts are going, blah, 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 look at me, I'm God, I'm powerful, I am the only God you need to know right now. This person turns up, the son of man, who is the ancient of days. What did Jesus call himself? What did Jesus call himself? Who do they say the son of man is? He's calling himself God for heaven's sake. The Jews knew that. Why do you think they tried to kill him so early as soon as he started using that term? Who do they say the son of God is? He's pointing straight back to Daniel 7. Next, please. Well, then we find out Daniel 9, he gives an image of Daniel 9, and we learn about a, I'm not going to go into the math of it all because it kind of freaks me out, but, you know, because um, it gets too much, too mathematical for me. But the whole point of this is the Messiah, could you hit the thing there? You should, a thing should come up. The Messiah, the anointed one, has been given a date and a time to turn up. So keep going. At the right time, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, 
born of a woman, born under the law. And he began, after he was, after he was baptized, and he sorted out the devil, and he faced, as the second Adam, faced down the devil. He defeated him in terms of temptation and everything. He started declaring, Behold, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and, and, and believe in the gospel. As we go through Jesus' teaching, he keeps talking about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is like. Who can, if, I, if I use this st- statement, who can finish it? The kingdom of God is like mustard seed. The kingdom of God is like treasure buried in the field. The kingdom of God is like pearl of great price. The kingdom of God is like, the kingdom of God is like, and he goes on and on and on. All he keeps talking about is, like, why is he doing that? Because right there... The most powerful, powerful force in the earth was the pagan rule of the Roman Empire and they were worshipped as gods. And Jesus turns up and says, "Uh uh-uh. Things are changing. There's there's, There's a change in the breeze. Finally, we get to this, to this passage in, in Matthew chapter 16. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 16 and we'll start rolling this, folding this up. Matthew chapter 16. And this is why when we get caught up in who, who the rock is, we start to, we start to misunderstand the, the intent of the passage. Chapter 16, chapter 16 verse 13. When Jesus came to the district of Caesarea, Caesarea Philippi, Take notice of that. He asked his disciples, who do the people say the son of man is? I can't tell you how profound that statement is. Who do they say, not I am, the son of man? Daniel 7. And they said, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, some say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, ah, but who do you say I am? And this is where Peter, God, Simon Peter replied, You are the Christos, the Mashiach, the Messiah, son of the living God. You know, that was the title from by Pharaoh, by Nebuchadnezzar, all the despot, despotic pagan kings of the world claimed that title. But Peter's saying, you are the son of the living God. This is where Jesus answered and said, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood did not reveal that to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Petros, Peter. And upon this rock, Petra, I build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. I'm not going to get into all the theological argy-bargy there. The point I'm trying to say is, he's saying, Upon this rock I will build my church. Protestant, the Protestant side does say the rock is the statement that Jesus is the son of the living God. Right. One other theologian comes along and says, well, hey, what about context? Remember, context is king. Where are they? They are standing on a mountain, on the base of a mountain, in a place called Caesarea Philippi, which is where the temple of Pan was. 
This area called Caesarea Philippi was in an, is in a geographical area. It's a, it's a spiritual geographical area called the, called the place of the area of Bashan. The gates of the, 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 um, the valley of the shadow of death was near there. All of this, the Amorites and the Amalekites and all the, the dark magic that ever happened in the, in the Holy Land happened right here at this spot. Pan, the god, the goat god, the sex god, the everything else god, right? He controlled this area. And at, this, at his place, I won't, I won't go to it, at his place, there's this grotto of Pan and it was called the Gates of Hades. And they believed because this place was like a portal, because there were so many conjurings going on in here, they would try and draw these things out. And, and, because, and, and what was happening is they would go and they would talk to the dead in this place. And the gates of hell, the gates of Hades, were where the dead went. And the gates of the Hades was like, in, in terms of the Jewish um, perspective, was Sheol. It's not a place of torment. It was actually a place where the dead slept. It's where they rested. The gates of hell will not prevail against my church. What's he saying there? Well, for starters, he's building his church upon the rock. The rock. What rock is that? By the way, just after this, he, Jesus goes to the Mount, of, Mount, Tribu, Mount Transfiguration. Thank you. That Mount of Transfiguration is not some mountain off in the distance. That Mount of tra- trigger, Transfiguration right, was right there. He just, he just went a little bit further up the mountain to a place called Hermon, Mount Hermon. Mount Hermon was well known to the pagans, well known to the Jews. That was where the fallen angels, the watchers came and they gathered together and they made a pact to themselves to rebel against the God of heaven, to do awful things and take over the control of hum, the human race. And it was through this, according to their belief at the time, was through this moment is where they gained control and they tricked us into doing things and being part of that stuff that was terrible. According to their belief. And God's Jesus is standing right at that spot. <laughs> Come and get me. Son of the living God stands at the gate of hell the living God has all control over death. Jesus stands before John in Revelation chapter 1. He's saying, do not be afraid. I'm the first and the last, the Alpha and Omega. I have the keys of death and Hades. Jesus had gone to another, another one of the, another rock I can imagine Jesus is talking about, the rock is that Jesus is planting his church in enemy territory. Not just, oh, the backwashers. He's in the epicenter of all occultism in the area. You read your Bible, you go to this area, the most awful things happened there, and God had to do some hardcore stuff to sort it out in the past. Now, Jesus comes in, and around this time, he's dealing with demons and all sorts of heavy-duty stuff. Well... Now he's, he's, he's on this place. He's saying, upon this rock, this rock, their backyard. I'm here. I'm taking you back. Death has no power. The church is built in enemy territory. Do you know that? You are living on enchanted ground. But the reason why you exist as the church is to be the, good, the bearers of good news that death and the gates of Hades, that place of death, 
has been conquered. And if you belong to Jesus Christ, they have no prevailing against you. Jesus, when he died, the picture is like the how he defeated the gates of death. He submitted to death and he entered through those gates and he went into the place of the dead and he said, and he got out and he pushed the gates open. And from then on, because of Jesus, the gates of hell have no power. That is the rock. That's why we exist. You exist because you are the only voice that says death has no power. Why? Because the one who you worship, the one who you give complete allegiance to, your Christos, your Christ, son of the living God, has overpowered death. And we live in a great hope with wonderful promises. Thank you. Good on you guys. All right. The church, the church is an assembly of people bought at a great price. The church is a, is a group of people who are not a hospital. We do hospital things. We look after the sick. We, we deal with, we, we heal hearts. We, we, we bring the Jesus into very difficult and traumatic situations. But we are not a hospital. We're a fighting force. We are an enemy territory. We watched Band of Brothers, right? When they dropped those boys, right behind, those paratroopers right behind enemy lines, they had no allies. They were committed. They either win or everything is lost. We're not in that situation like the band of brothers. We, we are not like that. We are, we are in deep enemy territory, right? But our Jesus has already won. We're living proof that, that um, his, the, the, the new life starts now. The gates of Hades are not attacking the church. The church are attacking the the gates of Hades. The trouble is, we have forgotten why we exist. On an individual level, we can find ourselves being caught up in the minuscule, mundane 21st century world of gadgets and technical bling, or just trying to keep up. My goodness, life is pretty far. Life just gets full on, doesn't it? On a corporate level, we get caught up in, in looking after buildings like that. We get caught up in looking after programs. We get caught up. And all of that is important stuff. I'm not trying saying we should get rid of everything. But what I'm saying is the church is not that. We are here to show people that death is not to be, af- be afraid of. We are here to testify. See, being a, ch- a church being in the uh, enemy territory... Jesus made sure he gave us two specific promises. He gave us many promises, but there's two promises that that were absolutely necessary for us to understand. Number one, right? You are to go to all nations making disciples, and behold, I'm with you. You're never alone. He's always with us in this mission. Number two, I will not leave you orphans. I will send another comforter. 
that my spirit will be with you and he will give you when we were baptized with his spirit we, and, and we are, a, we are a, a force to be reckoned with we, are, we have power you, that word power the dunamis power the Greek word dunamis the power explosive nature of it right oh, man we have power to witness even it to Xi Jinping or any other despot or any, anyone else any other system uh, you were telling me Kaylee about Iran What's going on in Iran right now with the church is incredible. The power that God's releasing into young girls to share the gospel. Right? Amazing. There's a movement that's going on in Iran. It's called the Disciple Making Movement, not even called a church. And it's just exploding in Iran. It has been for years. No one's, t- no one's hearing about it. We've been given power. He is never not with us. The church is not a building to be gathered in. The church is not a building or complex to be maintained. The church is a gathering of people who are called by Jesus to declare salvation from the dead. The resurrection of Jesus Christ who stormed the gates of Hades and broke it open. The gates of the dead are not locked to the believer of Jesus. He has the keys and he has left them for us wide open. did a funeral the other day. It was amazing. I got a chance to share the gospel with people like, who would never normally hear the gospel. It was a beautiful experience. Um, so, getting right back down to the bottom line. We are the church. We have a purpose just meeting up here every week and it's not just maintaining a system it's not maintaining a building there are people out there who need to hear the gospel we can't do ourselves I love what Michael said right it takes all kinds for the church to do this amazing mission right Uh, and it's not a job what we're talking about is do I have a ministry Lord do I have a ministry in this amazing work. Now, um, Davis, where are you, Davis? Can we just have a little bit of that music going on in the background there, mate? Um, I don't want, and this is a dream, dreams don't always come true, but I, 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 don't, want, I don't want us to be the, the church that forces people into roles. I'd like to see a movement of the Holy Spirit who raises people up according to their need, according to their gifting. We're going to talk about that next time I'm here. I want to see us moved by the Holy Spirit. I want to see an awakening of who we are and why we exist. I want us to see, to to take the time collectively from now on over the next few weeks to start praying some, a, a really important prayer Davis could you make sure that that goes out to everyone I'm, you, you're handing out, I'm handing out a piece of paper it's kind of like uh, remember the old fa- fashioned commitment cards don't worry I'm not going to get you to commit anything that's too hard right now right you'll notice this card um, has three specific specific statements first one is I believe in the mission of Jesus and his church The next one is, I believe that I'm part of his church. 
And David, as I was saying, what is this right? He says, maybe we should say this church. So cross out his, go slash this as well. This church. And the third one is, I'm really calling upon us today. I will pray that the Holy Spirit, for the Holy Spirit to reveal to me the ministry he has for me in his, this church. This is not just a drive to fill in slots. I believe Jesus is coming. When, when Pavel Goya says Jesus is coming, he sees things that we don't because he's out there. He's in a place where these stories interact with his office. Jesus is coming. People need to hear that Jesus is risen. Jesus has, has defeated the gates of Hades and that we, his church, are the place where you get the chance to meet him. We are a community of believers who have been saved. I want to spend the next couple of minutes take the time to meditate on those words and could you just spend some time praying and then I'll close with final prayer and then we'll be finished with the benediction fear not for I'm the first and the last the living one I die and behold I live it forevermore and I have the keys of death and Hades Father, who are we that you would choose us at this time, at this place, to be your church? Who are we that you would send such a precious gift of Jesus Christ, that you would, of your free volition, with no, expecting nothing but a, 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 us to give back a gift of love and loyalty and acceptance of this beautiful gift, that we can be the church that is built on enemy territory, that we, we are, are storming those gates. We are, whenever, wherever we go, we go to different places. We, we meet people. We share the faith of Jesus Christ that he died and rose again and he's at right, your right hand and his, your spirit is here in us. Holy Spirit is in us and he is with us. Jesus is with us all the way to the end. Who are we? that you should give us this privilege. I pray for every single person here today. I pray that you will impress upon us the importance of who, who and what the church is. Impress upon us the, 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 the nature of the mission that the church has. Holy Spirit, move us. Give us a vision of the ministry you have for us. I ask this in the name of the Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you.